Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Just coming in. Anaheim has selected a brand new coach for the AHL team. His name, Bouchard Joel of Laval. I can only hold my pee for another 30 minutes. That's how they used to tell everyone that the Canadians won the Stanley Cup. Rocket Rashad has recorded his fourth 50 goal season. His fourth goal of the Stanley Cup finals. Fucking voice, man. That radio voice is so bad. Bobby having to listen to that. <laughs> so trash. So the guy just screaming through like the wind. All right, the Ducks didn't play so well today, man. <laughs> <laughs> should do that. Thank you for listening to KCR Sports. The Anaheim Ducks were defeated gently uh, by the San Jose Sharks three to two today. Uh, and I made a bunch of. I'm, I'm going to kill this thing right now. <laughs> I'm going to use this as like, the intro of the show. <laughs> Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry! Scoops! Corey Perry! Well, you're able to take away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around the front. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode, a summer edition episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. All four guys are on tonight. Sleepy Eddie's joining us. Uh, what was it? Was your name Broke Back Pete Davidson or Broke Pete Davidson? And then uh, Marv, we're all here today. So <laughs> everyone, everyone is very happy to be here. As you can see, Eddie <laughs> is very awake for this show. Are we, oh yeah, are we doing video? Yeah, we're doing video. I mean, we're trying. So. Yeah, we're all... I don't know what happened. Seattle expansion starting. The NHL draft is coming. So that was my favorite intro I think I've ever done. Uh, Eddie, I hope you keep don't all rust it all. Just put it in. But, I might uh, as well. Yeah, it's been a while since I've been on a show. It's, uh, you know, Jesus. It's been a couple months, I feel like. And when was the last time we were all on the show together? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it would have been post during post-game season, right? I, well, we've only done, like, one show would, since Wouldn't it have been right after the draft? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I, I think the last time we went live without any issues was uh, during the uh, draft lottery, and that was it. And then we tried to go live on the last show. <laughs> my computer, my computer has taken a turn for the worse since uh, 
since the season started. Now I can no longer host live streams, so I gotta figure that out. <laughs> that kind of sounds like it's a PC problem. I don't know. I'm just saying. But um, we'll figure that out. We'll get we'll get back in and doing live shows eventually. But um, guys, we got like what eight days till the till the expansion draft, right? Is it a win- Wednesday of next yeah. week? Who knows, man? I think it's I feel like all excitement of it has died. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Oh, it was because a, of the dude excitement. in your background, that's why. Kucherov's <laughs> killing the offseason. <laughs> Already. It is exciting for the Vegas one, but I feel like uh, I feel like just with the, when the season ended, when the playoffs ended, and the way they ended, like Vancouver just dominated. There's been no hockey for the last little bit. and It feels like we're just kind of like coasting into uh, the, the expansion draft this time. Next Wednesday, Pat, you are right. Next Wednesday, yeah. Thursday off, draft on Friday. So we're going to get one day between the expansion draft and the entry draft to see if we can get up to any trade shenanigans around the league. Yeah. And then like two days and then free agency, right? Yeah. Which just means oh, free agency's free already agency. started. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. I mean, every year it's July 1st, but obviously not the last two seasons or last this season. Right. So that's going to be a fun week next week. Um, yeah, it's going to be a blast. <laughs> You guys, you guys want to hop right into, into whether Anaheim goes? Because uh, you got to hop into the Seattle expansion draft for sure. I mean, that's that's coming up in a week. Just definitely start there. Just real quick, do you guys think that they're going to go eight and one or seven three and one when it comes to who they're holding? They got to go seven three and one. I don't, I don't know how they go eight and one. Um, I know there's four guys you could you could argue protecting on defense, but the amount of, the amount of guys they have. That are decent guys that could get exposed on forward. I don't see how you go outside seventh and one. Like the the only teams who go eight and one are it, there might be like one or two teams who go the eight and one route, and it's because they have four exceptional defensemen that they don't want to lose, and then their forward group isn't that great. Like that's a rare scenario where a team goes eight and one. And I don't think they did that last. I think they did seven three and one last time, right? I don't think they did eight and one. Mm-hmm. So I and I don't think that they're particularly all that different three years later on the defensive side of things. So I think they're still holding on to the main three. I think they leave out probably Shattenkirk, which no one's probably gonna try and pick up on. And then it just comes back down to you know maybe your Fowler, your Lindholm, and uh, I don't know. I mean between your Manson and your Flurries. So who do you who do you take, Jay? Let's start with you then. We all agree they're going to go seven three and one. Obviously you're taking Gibson. So on defense, who are your three defensemen? Uh, I would say Fowler, Lindholm, and they'll keep Manson. And I'm well, not. Who would you take? Flurry over Manson. I I would do that. I think Flurry's got the big body. And I feel he hasn't had enough of an opportunity to excel. So I would give him more of that opportunity. Yeah, Manson, I know what I have. He's kind of a fighter, but he's often injured and mostly not as good as he used to be. <laughs> like, I mean, he worked well with Lindholm at one point, but that's since gone. So at this point, if someone was willing to try and pick him off, and they might, then good. And if they don't, then, all right, we still have him. So still kind of works out i don't think he gets picked off of our roster but exposing him i don't feel is uh, a huge risk if he does get picked uh, i'm in the same boat as you gibson flurry lindholm and fowler those are those are my four guys from the bottom we'll get to the fords in just a sec eddie who do you who you take on d to hold yeah i mean i think you have to 
take uh, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. Uh, I would go the same route as Jay and take Flurry over Manson, but I would be trading Manson. I wouldn't even get to um, expansion draft time and, and have him exposed because I think he gets taken. Um, you know, Henrik probably gets exposed. Shattenkirk definitely gets exposed. Um, and with Manson not there, I think Seattle could take one of those guys just to kind of get up to the cap. They already said they're not afraid to spend to the cap. And those are some decent contracts to take on to kind of do that. Like, these are still two guys who can be Im- impactful to a, a startup team. But Manson's a no-brainer, I think, out of out of those three. If he's available, you would take Josh Manson. Um, and I don't think the Ducks want to lose him for nothing. So This uh, is going to be a topic of fire, I feel like, when we get to Steven, because that's Steven's boy. So I, I want to hop back. We're going to definitely jump back to Manson if you, if you got something different. But what about you, Steve? Uh, so I think for me, the one no-brainer is Lindholm. And I think after that, you can make the point for anybody. I think if you're asking me, it's Lindholm and Manson are the locks. And the question is Fowler or Flurry. And I would be inclined to say Flurry because I think if you can clear Fowler's contract off the books, I think that's a positive. But I also think that is the probably worst way to get Cam Fowler off this team. Um, I think the other, I think the three was to say the same thing about Manson. It's the worst way to get rid of that contract is for free. Like, you know what wants to give yeah, up an asset but, for free. But I think, and I that's think what we were Cam Fowler the means... Deadline when those guys didn't move, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think Cam Fowler means something a little different to Ducks fans than Manson does because we've literally all watched him, like, grow up into this, like, adult dude. And he's American. <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, like he came in and he was this whole, like, he's just been, you know, he's kind of been the guy post Getzloff to kind of be the young guy, right? You're kind of looking at like Korea at one point early and like, you know what I mean? I just. Oh, like a leader, like as in leadership. Not just leadership, like, but like, in like, like, leadership kind of like a drafted guy who becomes a mm. big part of the team, right? I think that like, I think it means something different. Like, You're Korea. You know, you know, Fowler is going to be there. Like Korea and Getzloff mean something like different, <laughs> and Fowler, I think, will mean something different than Niermeyer or Pronger, um, or some of those guys that kind of got brought in via other means. It means something when you're drafted by the team. Um, so. Do you think that the franchise is going to take that route and take those three guys, or do you see them? Because I, I almost see Bob Murray. Holding firm on Lindholm, Fowler, and then Shattenkirk because he just signed that guy. I think it's going to be Lindholm, Fowler, and Manson. I think that's who's going to get taken. I, you, uh, or that's who's going to be hold Manson or no? Yeah, I would hold Manson. I think you have to hold Manson. I think, despite Fowler having a much better season and has looked better. Yeah, because I don't think it's the same thing. I don't. They're both the same age. In my Cam opinion, makes like two million more. If you keep and extend Josh Manson. What you're doing is securing your second or third line anchor for the next X amount of years while Zegers and Drysdale grow up. Manson's probably got two or three more years of being able to play 23, 24 minutes a night. After that, he's gonna his body's just going to have worn down to a point. I think if you can get him at a reasonable cap, that's fine. But I don't think at the start of next season, you can have Fowler, Lindholm, and Manson all on this team again. I think that would be a sin. 
I think you have to protect I think you have to protect those three, but you have to leave that weekend having moved at least one of them. I honestly think they signed when they signed Shattenkirk, they knew that likely that's a contract they're exposing no matter how he does. I don't <laughs> think they were that short sighted going into it. Yeah, that I agree. I think that's why they gave him some say. of the moderate trade protection. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they knew for sure. Like Lindholm and Fowler were two guys that we knew that they would protect just based off their status and their contracts. I think there there was definitely a toss up between Manson and Shattenkirk and they knew if they had to keep or if they had all four of them still on the roster, like exposing Shattenkirk is something that they that they'd be fine with. I think there was legitimate uh, trade talks around Josh Manson at the at the deadline, and it just didn't materialize into what they wanted. Um, so I think there there was potentially a situation where, where we came in and we wouldn't even be talking about this, and it would be Fowler, Lindholm, Shattenkirk, and Manson wouldn't be here. But the fact that he is here, that we heard that they're you know, talking about a new contract, a contract ex- extension. They're willing to wait until the deadline to kind of see how things materialize. Like, it, all signs point to him being a guy that they wouldn't expose and that they would Awful. make one of the three <laughs> protections. And and then that that leaves guys like Flurry and Mahura and Gooley. Um, it's so, funny that Flurry has jumped to the top of that list, but he has. Like, he is better than both of those guys. Now all three of those guys are exposed as well. And... You know, it presents. I think Anaheim is one of the most interesting options for Seattle, where they could go and get a, a Henrik or a Shattenkirk, a guy with some term and a bit more of a salary, where they can use that to get to the floor, or they could just take a young kid. You know, whether it's on defense with Flurry or Gruley or Maher or up front, if if uh, a Volkov or a Jones or a Steele or a Lindstrom is is left available, like the or Milano even too, like there are. There are options on either side of the fence for Seattle. Let me let me say that. So, shit. All right, a couple things real quick. I'm sorry. I think Manson, Fowler, and Lindholm all need to be protected if they're there because they represent the most tradable value players. That being said, I think there was enough seen from Flurry in the tiny little sample size that we saw at the end of last season to be very encouraged with what his potential upside is, especially for me as someone who doesn't think you should play your two best defensemen together. Like, I'm not a fan of the Owen Power-Jamie Drysdale pairing. I would rather have Owen Power be on a second pair or whatever and have two really high-end pairs. You know what I mean? With two guys who can anchor their own pair. So I think having Flurry, who looks like he could be a guy who could play next to Jamie Drysdale for five or six years easy just with his ability to skate and join the rush. He's got good size, um, that kind of stuff. I, I I think they need to trade one or two of these guys before the expansion draft hits. Real quick, does Shattenkirk have a no-move clause or a no-trade no. clause? Just a no-trade no, clause. Yeah. No-trade clause with eight teams. Yeah, but isn't a no-trade clause one of those things where you can't get drafted? No. Only a no moving no, so clause. No move clause? Okay. And only if yeah. it specifies the expansion. Then, draft. And then what I would think they would do, this is what I think Anaheim would do versus what I would do. They're they're gonna probably they they'll hold Lindholm, Fowler, and Manson. Yeah. And take the odd chance that they don't take Shattenkirk. Right. And what I wish they would do is hold Lindholm, Fowler, and Flurry. And just dangle Manson out there because my opinion, as great and nice as Manson is, I think Fleur is going to be that guy who's probably going to replace him and be less injury prone. 
but they don't play the same position. And five years younger and a less cap hit. But um, they don't they don't play the same style of defense. They don't, but he's also he's the big guy. Flurry's more of a Lindholm than a Manson. Like But that's kind of the way of the league at this point. No, 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 I understand that. But what I'm saying is is like I don't see that Flurry replaces Josh Manson. You you can get another Manson on defense. I don't think uh, he's irreplaceable. Sure. So if you lose him and you keep everything else, you can find that other defense. Or we can bring in the next round of defensemen that we got coming up. That's how I would want it to go. I don't think they'll do it. I think they're too in love with Manson. So they'll keep him. But that's where I think it should go. In my opinion. Let's, let's move on to the forward group then. No, let's so, go backwards. Go backwards? Let's yeah. talk about the goalies. <laughs> Anthony Skolars or John Gibson. Um... So with the forward group, I'll, I'll read mine off right here because I'm sure there's going to be questions. And we'll just kind of go and make a, you know, everyone give their picks and then we'll, then we'll go back and talk about it. But I got Jones, Steele, Lundestrom, unfortunately, fucking Troy Terry, um, Sonny Milano, Ricard Raquel, and Adam Henrique, who I chose to protect. Oh, wow. Okay. Go ahead, Ed. Yeah, I, I like. I think you have to pr- protect the kid too. Um, you're gonna. There, there's gonna be options available for Seattle, no matter who you protect. You can't give away a 23 year old right wing. I mean, you just try as much as I despise Troy Terry's play. I just I can't justify giving him up for another. Yeah, like uh, Comtois is an easy one. Um, Terry as well. I would keep uh, and protect. I don't think Jones. Comtois exposed. He doesn't have to be. I don't. Even, I'm just looking at our our list. Yeah, here, to he, be he's not on Cap Friendly's <laughs> list of players that you have to protect. So. Jones. Uh, come to a. Oh, okay. Yeah, come to a. Jones, Steele, and Lundestrom are all available to be plucked. Same with Terry. Right. Gaslock can Friendly. be picked, and he can be signed in free agency, and that would count as the pick. So come to a can't be picked then. He's come to a can. He can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then, so yeah, I'm, he has to. Yeah, come to a has to be protected. So wait, let's do this right now, just real quick. How many how many locks do you guys think there are in forward must protect? Just a number. One. Uh, guys, we protect. think we should protect. All right, this is going to make for great podcasting. But I'm on Cap Friendly. This is players who meet or are projected to meet the exposure requirements are highlighted in green. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I, I, I don't see Comtois. Comtois was on the exempt list. This is great. <laughs> God damn it, Stefan. No, because I'm pretty sure he's been in all of Eric Stevens' stuff. Uh, that means you guys have that means you guys have to call Eric Stevens out for his bullshit. No. I'm not yeah. gonna do that. I'm gonna leave that to you guys. No, I uh... <laughs> So other than the block, I would say Terry, you have to keep. I would still say Raquel. Silverberg, I love Jones. Uh, so there's four. Steele, you have to keep. Ludstrom, he showed a lot of great promise. So there's six. So we have to keep Comtois. That's the other one. If we don't... Wait, wait, wait. I you think there are prom- six players that you have to protect no matter what in the forwards? Well, those are the one. No, those are the ones I would. No, no, no. Want how to. many do you think you have to? Like, how many actually are there that have to be protected? Well, since they're only plucking one, I guess none, because they're only going to take one. But 
we have these are the ones that I want officially to... have to be protected on a no, 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 no movement no. clause basis. No, no, no. I'm talking. Sorry, this is. I'm talking All about right. from a players that you value perspective. How many okay. guys to you that are available to be picked do you think are must protects? Five. Oh yeah, no. You're. Uh, um, I, I would put Comtois as a must okay, protect. Let me You're... let me just say this. Comtois <laughs> not in it. My bad. Hold on. Nice Comtois, job, Ed. Benoit yeah. Grew, Jacob Parole, Braden mm-hmm. Tracy, Trevor Zegers, yeah, Jamie Drysdale, Axel Anderson, Ollie Erickson Eck, Roman Durney, Lucas Dostal are all exempt. Okay. I, 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 I would put four. There are four forwards that I think need to be protected. I what agree with you. I think up. it's four. That's but we won't agree on who. <laughs> who I'm are sure. your four? I think did you do the Eric Stevens? Did you go eight and one, Stephen? Because that's what he did. No, I I would do a seven three one, but I don't. I think for me, Still. I don't think there are. I think it becomes about preference and upside. I just don't think there are that many players that you look at on this roster and go, they need to be protected. I think I would say Ra- I would say Raquel, Terry, Jones, and Steele. I'd add Linda Strimmon to that. That's all I would. I, I would, if, yeah. If I added a fifth, so probably... I would say uh, Terry, Raquel, Lundestrom, and I think I had Comtois in that group. So, but you don't need to anymore. So, which no, so it's either Jones or Steele. I, I, don't I don't think you want to. Lose I would Raquel protect Steel. I don't think you have to protect Steel, and I don't think you have to. Or I don't think you have to protect Steel or Jones. This, 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 you want to lose this team enough. is protecting Jones. They yes. love him. he's not going anywhere. They're Over taking Jones. But what I'm there. saying is, is if you looked at it and you were like, <laughs> I actually want to protect four defensemen. Does is Jones the type of player that's going to stop me from protecting what I think is a contending top four? Yes. No. On not. this team. I yes. love Max Jones. Wait, 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 wait. That's not what I'm he good. is. He's not that good. <laughs> Hold but on. Then, then give another defenseman that you'd rather Jones let go. Yeah. That would yeah, honestly almost, Jones and Fleury. Yeah. I'd keep Jones, 100%. I would keep Fleury well, over Jones. Eric Stevens has a really compelling article <laughs> where what he says he's like he, what he labeled what he thinks what he thinks they're going to project or he, what he said that their projection is what they're going to. I'm gonna, sure it'll light up with Raquel, Jones, Lundestrom, Terry. I don't mind that at all considering Comtois and the rest of the good forwards are exempt, right? You don't have to worry about come to off parole, Tracy or Zegers. So he defenseman, just basically he takes Flurry, Flurry, Fowler, Lindholm, Manson. Don't mind that at all. Yeah, I you would don't do it. Worry about Drysdale. Yeah. This is actually this is a really like I hadn't seen this till now. That's a great eight one because it exposes guys that you kind of don't care about if they get picked. Delorier, yeah. Danton Heinen, Adam Henrique, Sonny Milano, Jacob Silverberg, Sam Steele for me anyway. And I mean whatever about Volkov like. These guys are all guys we like when they perform well on the Ducks, but they won to me. That changed my mind. I would rather I, I would kind of agree with those projections there. That makes a lot of sense. You know who Sam Steele feels like if he gets taken though? Like it just you get William Carlson flashback vibes. Yeah, like I'm not saying he's yeah, going to he go plays there. He's on a really 40. good team, right? No, like, but that he team just feels like special. that age, that you know level yeah. of I don't want to say disappointment, but you know hasn't fulfilled the the well, potential yet, but had potential when he was drafted. You just feel like he would be that guy if he was to go to Seattle, and if somebody was going to overperform, like he would be that guy if he was to do it. And and I see Eric Stevens. Point like I think it's a great point. Like it comes down to preference there. Would you rather have Hayden Fleury? Would you rather have Sam Steele? I think 
you know, I would say Hayden Flurry. I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of us who would say we'd rather have Hayden Flurry. I think it's a toss up for me. Um, just based off our defense score, I'd probably rather have Hayden Flurry, and I'd take the hit on Sam Steele. Like it, it sucks, but you're, you're gonna lose if somebody. If he even gets picked. Run. If, yeah, yeah. They could take Henrik. They could take Heinen. They could take Shattenkirk. There's, there's they're a not taking Henrik. No what, they, pluck what, that what they could do is keep seven forwards and expose Josh Manson. Josh Manson's not going to go over there and be uh, Theodore. If, he's, if he goes over there, he's not Theodore, and all of a sudden it hurts us. Or you leave Shattenkirk open, it's not going to hurt us. If you protect Fleury, Lindholm, and Fowler, you're probably in the clear uh, yeah. from that point on. Or, Josh I, I Manson guess is clear. literally Brinsey. <laughs> yeah, like so right now, just, just let those ones go. That's, and, nice. and, and uh, that's not the comparison you want to make because that's a dude <laughs> but, but who made a national forwards. team. Brent Seabrook was ones. really, really good. I mean, I'm with you. He's like, talking I, about modern day Brent Seabrook. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, modern day Brent Seabrook's not great. I, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm man. sure you don't like modern day Duncan Keith either. Uh, I, I would, I could have said him easily. <laughs> I feel. So fucking old every time Evan, talk so about much Josh better Hansen. Now. But I just think, like, now that I know for sure Comtois doesn't have to be protected, I think I would do eight and one, no questions asked, and it would be that four. I'm not losing Manson, and I'm not losing Flurry for nothing. No, I think Raquel's Manson, at only no. forward outside the kids that you don't want to lose for, for nothing, nothing, right? Yeah. He's the only uh, player that you, that if he gets taken for free, it is a net loss not, for you. Yeah. Like, if Silverberg goes, you can make the argument the contract's not that great anyway. Uh, yeah, it's a bad contract. Everything. And then he goes. Yeah, Milano. Yeah, like, there's a chance, like, if Steele gets taken or Milano gets taken, or even Heinen to some extent, like, they could go to San, uh, to Seattle and do well there. But, but what is the upside on those players, right? That's the yeah, question. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's minimal. I think Sam Steele's the big one where you're like... Carlson didn't have a big upside? could lose something that's the only one for me, and it sucks. But you're going to lose somebody good no matter what, likely, if Seattle opts to go young and take a flurry or a It's funny because steal. if it goes the way of the Athletic, the Athletic, I mean, yeah, they're not the end-all, be-all, but they're, they're funny. They said that their projected player that gets plucked from Anaheim is Volkov. Could care less. Which I would, I would hate, but yeah. See ya. Yeah, I mean, I'd be fine not with that deal. if that's the case. Okay, like, so it, who know, is the go do really best well, case but... scenario to get taken, in your opinion? Henrik or Shackberg. Or Silverberg, we lose we lose the cap hit on mm-hmm. a guy like that. We weren't going to move a Silverberg or a Henry and without Henry. probably 100% without Henry. yeah Henry. without yeah. holding salary. So if if you lose one of those three and you drop that cap hit for for literally nothing, like you don't have to retain salary, you don't have to give anything up, you just drop that cap hit completely. Those ones are the best. Yeah, Henrik's I think the best just because of the term that's still on it. But yeah. Silverberg I think is probably second best, and then Shattenkirk is. Uh, is probably Actually, let's protect Henrik, though, on, on the idea that they need a center other than Zegers. I mean, Jay's been saying that, and it's kind of worn on me. I, I agree with that that notion. Yeah, I'd go to the, FA. The contract's not great, but that's a that's an experienced guy who can can play in all situations. He's not a bad player, and I know the contract's not awesome, but I think he still slots in as, as C1, at least for now. It's I mean, guy really. That- I, I would, I would but you love. could probably find a center um, that could probably produce at the same level he did last year or the year before at a much lower hit. Sounds so, like a one by two. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, just, just something to solidify that role until Zegers kind of fills in. 
But, I mean, Getzloff, he's going to kind of drop down to second-line center, third-line center, wherever. We maybe need a number-one center, but we don't need Henry because I mean, Henry's <laughs> not number-one center. And well, we also know not that this team doesn't trust more. Trevor Zegers. So. They move things around so they didn't have to give him that one extra year on his contract. They did trust him at the last five or six games of the year, though. They played him a lot. He was our number one center. Like, Oh, yeah, well, once once it would count as his first year, his contract, that's when they started playing the most shit ton. Which bodes well for next year. That's what the answer is, though, right? The answer to the solution is is next year the Ducks aren't going to have a number one center. What they're going to have is two two line centers and a aging old former first line center playing third line center. They're going to probably take those minutes and ride the hot hand between Lundestrom and Zegris, and they're going to try to find a way to create lines where they can both go out and be competitive. Lundestrom has shown he can drive a line on his own. Zegris is clearly expected to be the kind of player who can do that. And I'm not saying, you know, Lundestrom is a game breaker, but what I am saying is he's shown the ability to make to, to bring up the level of play. Like, he seems to get the most out of his wingers when they play with him. Um... And you just ride the hot hand each night. Likely it's going to be going to Zegers more often than not because his upside is higher, his creativity is higher, his ability is just higher. But I don't think you're in a, I don't think they need to sign a, a, a number one center. They're not that team. And You're right. They have to trade it. I if that's the case, you always have <laughs> Ryan Getzloff. That's a situation I can 100% see Ryan Getzloff saying, yeah, I want to sign back for another year. I think getting Henrik off of this team does much more long-term good than keeping him around to play, you know, more time than he should. Okay, just needs to be right. someone to we, fill we that void. We forgot Eichel is... But you don't need someone to fill that void because they're already on the team is my point. They're not... Jack Eichel's a duck, so it's okay. Well, there's that. But you don't... They don't need a first-line center. They have a first-line center. He's just so let's, 19 let's years talk, old. Let's talk about Getzloff for a second. Or 20 years old, whatever he is. On the dock where we, I want to talk about him for a second. Do you think uh, he stays? Yes. Yeah. Do you, think he, you don't think he signs anywhere else? Uh, he's going to do a Joe Thornton thing. He's going to do one year. He's already made He's made it abundantly clear. The you don't think that he at, would be traded? Oh, no. He to get will. assets, right? He will do that to help the team. Mm-hmm. But his whole prerogative and his whole, you know, thing that he said to everybody is just, listen, whatever helps this franchise move forward – because when I'm done with my career, I'm coming right. back here to do something with this this franchise. And he has a, a great appreciation of somebody to to stick with one franchise and be that captain, somebody who won the first cup, someone who's seen this team get you know go through the bad times, the good times. He's there. He's just gonna do a Joe Thornton thing a little bit, where it's just sign one year, see where we're at, see where he helps. And if at some point he stops helping, he starts being a detriment. He is he's very aware of himself so he's not going to have that pride fact where i really need to go get that cup because i he's, in his mind he's already won it he's like i just don't want to hold this team back i just want to see it excel and if i can help then i will if i start being a detriment i'll step away and i feel Somebody that's, will take him. Uh, yeah but someone will take him for a trade and he's and he's kind of the guy's like you know i don't really want it but if it helps the team i'm team team first for him it's not even about production like he could be playing uh, like shit on offensively somebody will take him just because how long he's been a leader in this dressing room that's a guy that that team's looking to make a long playoff push or going to want to have around 
Corey Perry is a, a good example of the last two seasons of, of why teams have brought him around. I know he's produced for Montreal, but why Dallas brought him in and why why Montreal brought him in. There's so somebody many cups will, now. Somebody, somebody will want Ryan Getzlaff, um, whether it be Vegas comes back in or, or something. There, there'll be... Uh, There'll be somebody that would be willing to, to take him at the deadline, even if he signed a one-year deal. And then he, he'd come back after that. Like, he's a guy who will re-sign in Anaheim, might find himself in a different destination at the deadline to get more assets for the team. Uh, but I don't see him openly signing with another team and not coming back to Anaheim, unless they told him they didn't want him, which I don't think they would do. Yeah, he's, he's not... He's a, made, he's a made man in Anaheim. Like, he, he, whatever he wants to do is what he gets to do. Yeah, I, so I think he is going to sign, right? I think what you're looking at is essentially two decisions in a row. The first decision is, is do I want to play another year? The answer seems to be yes. Obviously, that could change. He could always do the Scott Niedermeyer, Team Mussolini, hold out for three months, sign back later. I know Justin <laughs> Williams kind of made it cool for these dumb kids, but... Uh, you know, real ones now. Um, <laughs> but, like, I have been... Uh, I think there are two two situations that I think are interesting. I don't think they will happen, but I think they're worth mentoring. The first is, obviously, Corey Perry seems to want to re-sign in Montreal. I wonder if he got a phone call from Corey Perry saying, Hey, come play in Montreal for a year. Let's win a this cup. close. Why not? Like, fuck it. We made it all the way there. Let's, you know, we won with Carey Price before, Shea Weber, yada, yada. Let's just put the gold medal team from Vancouver <laughs> on the Montreal team. Uh, the other situation is, again, if he gets a call from, let's say, Duncan Keith, who says, come be the second old head in Edmonton with me, I think that's a very attractive option. I think Calgary was always the, the most likely option, given he's from there, but I don't think that franchise is in a place like that. Close, yeah. But I think uh, the opportunity, maybe, if you're Ryan Getzloff, to go play in Edmonton with Connor McDavid and maybe have one random last 80-point season just feeding those two fucking guys on the power play. Uh, McDavid, the second-best hockey player, right, Ed? Behind Matthews. <laughs> no, Ed was going to say Mitch Marner. <laughs> oh, yeah. who, who won the heart? That's, that's easy. Uh, uh, how, how many Stanley Cups is that? Isn't that the little Native American <laughs> kid? The same number as Matthews. Heart? No? Yeah. no? Okay. Yeah, McDavid, I think, has won more uh, uh, playoff series, hasn't he? I think he won one. Yeah, Toronto has won a playoff yeah. series. Yeah. <laughs> it's just proof that all Canadian teams suck. All right, so before we get on to the... (laughs) I just think that's an interesting thing, right? Like, I think if you're looking at potential places where Ryan Getzloff would sign, if he were to leave Anaheim, which he's not going to do, those are the two that stand out to me. He also mentioned Vegas. Yeah, last year. But that was... I I am convinced that is entirely because it was the semi-bubbles, and Vegas is literally a private jet flight away. Yeah, If you're Ryan Getzloff, you can just charter a jet... Fly your wife and kids over. It's not even a fucking issue. I just don't think with a new 82-game season, he's going to go to Canada when all of his family is Southern uh, California, born and raised. I 100% agree. I do not think he's leaving. But I think if the idea were to hit his head, those are the two places I think are the most Yeah, deadline acquisition, maybe. Maybe. And they'll ask him, too. They won't just say, hey, listen, you're going here. They're like, hey. Oh, yeah, no. If he he resigns, he'll get a full move like uh, Sorry, uh, Mr. Getzloff. Uh, don't want to look you in the eyes, but um, 
there's just team that really wants to trade and they're giving us a lot. What, I'm sorry. I hope he slaps Bob Murray <laughs> on his dumb ball head. Um, so before we get to uh, the offseason offense that's apparently available this summer, uh, we got to talk about the new coaches that have come to Anaheim. Ducks got a new coach for the goals, and then they brought back Newell Brown. Eddie, you chopped this in here right away, so I'll let you start. What, how do you feel about these uh, these hirings? Do you think this kind of puts some heat on Dallas Eakins? Um, yeah, I think I, I think a little bit. I, I mean, we brought in a whole new um, assistant coaching staff. This Newell Brown's the third new hire. Um, of the offseason, right? So I, I think it's a bit of pressure on Dallas Akins, but maybe more help other than anything. Like, I just I just don't think they were happy with the assistance that they had before. They brought in a, f- a few more um, experienced guys with Joe Ford coming in, and then uh, now adding Newell Brown, who's had some experience with the Ducks in the past a couple times. Uh, I think it's just adding a bit more experience, as we've heard. Murray talked about it a couple times uh, about how that's something they wanted to do to help Dallas Aikens out. He doesn't have a ton of head coaching experience or at least a good head coaching experience himself. So bringing in some more uh, experienced guys who've been around the league and, and kind of been doing this for a while, uh, it, it's something that stands to, to help Dallas Aikens. Now, when it comes to his long-term future, I think the more surprising uh, move was Joel Bouchard coming in as the San Diego Gulls head coach. I didn't hear anything about Kevin Deneen potentially leaving or or you know thinking about leaving or a guy the Ducks were looking at moving on from the goals had all things considered a pretty good season so that was a bit surprising and from everything I've read on him the Montreal Canadiens organization loved him did a great job with Laval in the AHL and for him to come over here he seems like a guy who could compete with Dallas Aikens for, or at least like, compete with him for the, for the job. Like a guy that could you know, take over from him at some point if things don't go well for Dallas Aikens. So I think in that one more so than, than Newell Brown coming in, it puts Dallas Aikens on the hot seat that you have kind of a young up-and-coming coach who's done a good job elsewhere uh, right behind you as a guy who could take over. So I, I, I think the, the Newell Brown one is definitely to help Dallas Aikens and try and see him uh, do well for the Ducks this year as well as the other assistant coaching ones. But yeah, Joel Bouchard coming in, I think, is a direct opposite of that where it's another option the Ducks could look to if they move on from Aikens as a guy who could step in and take over. How was that Vancouver power play last year? That's where Newell Brown was, right? <laughs> for the last three, four years? Yeah, I, I saw a couple of things like I... I I, I heard it was okay. I'd have to double check what their their actual standings were, but they have some some pretty good weapons to kind of work with, right? So they were ranked. It says twenty fifth, seventeen point four two percent last year. So not great. Um, got off to a slow start. Quinn Hughes had a bad start, but to be fair, better than us. Yeah, I I think Eddie, I think you hit it a hundred percent, right? I think you know for the last year and a half we've heard Bob Murray make mention multiple times about wanting to bring some experience into Dallas Eakins and to provide him with some of that coaching infrastructure to allow him to succeed and I think you know Daryl Sutter being brought in seemed really odd um but okay whatever and then you had you know uh, this summer they completely revamped the the assistant coaching staff and I think if it was just Ward Stuthers and Newell Brown, I think it's like, okay, so what they did is they put him in a position to succeed, and like, yeah, maybe two of those guys, you know, within the last two years have been in, either have been a head coach or have been where they would be an automatic 
interview for a head coaching job. Um, but bringing in Joel Bouchard and letting go of Kevin Deneen, I think completely changes it. Um, I think Joel Bouchard comes in. Like he said it in his press conference. He said, they called me and they said, we have a guy we want to go with for another year. I think that's it. I think Dallas Eakins has a year. I would be willing to bet Joel Bouchard has a one-in-one contract. Um, and he is expected to basically at the end of this season know if he's Anaheim's coach. Uh, I think he comes in and immediately jumps to the front of the line. Uh, everybody I've heard from Montreal speaks very highly of him. He even joked that Anaheim, the San Diego didn't use as many players as Laval last year. Um, you know, we saw Cole Caulfield come up with a lot of experience. He was being brought in express, explicitly to work with young guys. So, uh, you know, I thought Mike Stuthers was the uh, guy it might be, especially with Solomon being on the team or in the organization now. But it, it 100% looks like Joel Bouchard's the next coach of the Ducks. At least two options, right, um, between Stathers and, and Bouchard, is you've got now two guys who presumably would be in the discussion to take over, uh, and then two guys who are there, in a sense, to help Dallas Aikens. So you've mm-hmm. got a little bit of pressure on, on both ends, uh, where you've got guys who are there to help him and potentially you know establish his long-term uh, future with the Ducks, and then you've got two guys who you could see taking over mm-hmm. uh, from Aikens, or at least be in the discussion and, and get an interview and, and see what they can do. And that, that, I mean, that's not to say like Ward or Brown could also be in that discussion, depending on how they do. Um, yeah, I, I don't what know a what shit the end of the stick, take, but... or is this really telling a Dallas Aikens here? Because he's been he's been the you know part of the franchise where they're rebuilding. They don't really have the best lineup. Edmonton uh, eh, kind of didn't have a great team there either, and so now he's here, and he's it's it's full of veterans who are underperforming and overpaid, uh, and then you got these young guys coming up finally in Anaheim that can make some noise, and now they bring in coaching that's going to be like, hey, uh, you had your babysitter here, but now he went to Canada to coach the Calgary Flames, and so now you're on the hot seat, dude. Sorry. Uh, so here's two more babysitters. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's forever stuck with uh, Bob Murray. Bob Murray is the one who championed him. And but he didn't, though. Bob Murray didn't want to hire him originally. Bob Murray, the Samuelis are the ones who were behind Bob Murray hiring Dallas Akins. They wanted him They're from the beginning. Here's the thing. Is, is Bob Murray is on his last year for the Ducks, and whoever he put in, he's still... For whatever reason, Bob Murray is around for another year. Dallas Akins is around for another year. What they're doing is they're setting up that transition. They brought in Solomon from the Kings. He is probably going to be our next GM or in some fashion going to be probably pretty close to that. He brings an analytic side to things. And all of a sudden we're bringing in a new, you know, up-and-coming uh, minor league coach that didn't really have a chance because Montreal really was going to re-sign their coach who got them to the Stanley Cup Finals for three years, that guy had no chance of of getting to that upper level. So bring him in, do that, and this is where next year is going to be. It's going to be out with the old, in with the new, kind of flush it. They're trying to do, you know, this little transition period where we still kind of keep things in transition of power of, hey, this is what we got coming up. This is where we're at. Let's try and make sure the franchise continues on somewhat seamlessly moving forward. So I think Aikens is in his last year. Murray's in his last year. We'll see brand new GM, brand new coach, and um, all the other assistant coaches are, are there to help, you know, just just make that transition a little bit easier, I think. 
yeah, I mean, you have two guys in two jobs that are have under underperformed for the last handful of years after having been successful within the organization before that, right? Dallas Akins has proven to be a quality AHL head coach. There is less evidence that he is an NHL caliber coach. There's no shame in that. It's a significant jump and not everybody's capable of doing it. A lot of smart guys get, you know, don't make it. Like I don't I don't think that's a character judgment. But it is an issue. And so he's got one more year to prove that he can be an actual NHL head coach. And if he isn't, there are now two guys, one in, uh, well, there are now two guys, because he was the internal candidate, I guess. But there are now two guys who are in a position to step in immediately. Same thing with Bob Murray. He's had a good run, had a lot of, a bit of a sloppy last couple years. And now you had uh, Mark Madden, is that his name? Uh, Martin Matt, yeah. within the organization and in a position to provide a, like you said, that real easy transition. And now they have Jeff Solomon who's in there, who's a complete outside candidate, brings a whole new perspective and gives them someone else. Um, I think you're 100% right. I think this is this year is basically an audition for four people, but there are two guys involved that have a chance to keep their jobs. Um, it just looks like there's a direction, right? Like, yeah, like I, I got yeah. forward it. Both uh, at both positions and general manager and coaching staff. Are, where we, they... are we being positive here for a second? Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> no, say, dude, for real. Like, I was gonna say, this is the first time I felt like there was some kind of idea of what's going forward. Like, you know, like I, I almost wonder. Change like, is gotta... happening, people. Change is happening. Well, yeah. Like... Sam Willie's finally figured out that Bob Murray is that uh, that World War II vet talking about glory days when we're like, hey man, you, you did you did great. He's Bruce Springsteen. You served you served us well. We're in a different phase of this of this franchise now. Time to uh, move on. Like yeah. he, he's that guy who's like living on the past, in my opinion, in in the sports world, where he's just lived on his old accolades for so long. And he was for so long, and he, he kicked ass for a very large amount of time. Yes, not like, even going to pretend that that's not the case. Okay, he, I was going to say let's not act like he wasn't semi recently still a very good. Yes, and when we're talking up until 2017, this team was ultra competitive. Mm-hmm. Top of the division. He lost every year fastball the team the, the won the playoffs. Very good. Mm-hmm. That's the year that everything fell apart. Um, that's a long time, and we've yeah. gone over this before. So no disrespect to him, but now is the time to Dude, kind of cut. He them. sucks, and you just have coffee with him every now and again. <laughs> I don't like his <laughs> train of thoughts for the past few seasons, but uh, but yeah, he's made a, a ton of really good moves, and I, th- I think it's great that the team is finally taking a, a sense of direction of. Let's let's get this going because we have all these new guys coming in that are young and that have talent and they need to be part of a successful group, or they're not going to want to stay here very long. We're not going to set this up for another generation. Yeah, the I, encouraging sign is that these are hires that we're making that other teams are taking notice of. Like, wow, like you know, this guy was highly thought of in this organization. Like, Stothers was highly thought of in LA's organization. So was Solomon. Joel Bouchard was highly thought of in Montreal's organization. Like these are guys that it's not like well we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, picking whoever's left. Like, like the hirings that we've made that look towards the future here are guys that other teams really liked and weren't able to keep around for whatever reason, or we were able to kind of sell them on the vision that we have for the future of this organization. Whatever it is, like these are legitimate hirings. Like they are, they point to a different future in a different direction for the Ducks which is kind of all we've been asking for for a while right is is just some 
kind of Relevance. direction for it. Yeah, some Relevance. something to to point towards a light at the end of the tunnel. And and now you know if Solomon is the guy to take over for Murray, and if Bouchard or Stothers is the guy to take over for um, Dallas Aikens, like it it you're fine with that. Like and and you're comfortable with that because like these are legitimate guys that would be at the top of other teams lists as well it's not like we've just taken what whatever is available and whatever is left for us and okay this is who we got to go with because that's what it felt with felt like with Aikens is yeah. we kind of like just, the godfather's uh, retiring and now Michael's yeah. coming in to take over but <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I think that that's interesting that's right because like I talked about this on the mailbag with Sierra where you know somebody asked us about like ownership and feeling like ownership is just watching this burn and being fine with it and I don't feel like that's fair and I think We've gotten some clarification on that with these last bits of moves. I, you know, this is really the first moment of truth uh, that the organization impressive, has had right? for the owners. This is, this is really their too. first time being in charge when things were weird. You know what I mean? And I think what we're starting to see right now is maybe they got to the game a little bit late, but they seem to be pick it, picking it up pretty quick. And like these are the kind of moves I think that create. The feeling that like ownership in the organization has a sense of what they're doing. But so, I would love to be a fly on the wall in those meetings because I want to know who thought to go and nab these guys. Like Ed was yeah. saying, these are high profile people they're bringing into the organization. Mm -hmm. This is something that we've been like you guys have just said, waiting to see. Like are we really? I didn't, nobody wanted to see another three or four years of Bob Murray and Dallas Aikens, and and I know we just gave a bunch of respect to those guys and the positions they've been in, but seeing a new wave come in with a new wave of, of good players coming is, is really refreshing as a Ducks fan. Next year's probably going to suck still, um, but well, at least we have a, we have a point in the future where it's going to get better. It's, We're going to see progress this year more than likely and a lot more progress after this next season. That's what I say, right? It's what you see is the potential for consequences, right? Which is these guys are still being given the opportunity, clearly, by being kept in their positions to prove that it's not their job. But, thank God the consequence isn't Daryl Sutter taking over the reins. Exactly. Now what we're seeing is complete <laughs> external candidates come into the organization and really provide a real kick in the ass. Like, you know, look, you, you've you earned the right. This is your shot. But, like, please understand organizationally, like, we have capable people now in a position to step up. So oh, it's a real – and I, I think that's the thing is it actually – accountability. Yeah, it's exactly what I was saying. It can exactly. be interpreted as an act of accountability. And I think that that's incredibly encouraging. Wow. Bob I really Murray wasn't expecting and... to be uh, positive here. Well, Bob Murray that's and Dallas Dickens don't have accountability buddies. So they have people to keep... Aww, buddy accountability system. buddies. South Park reference. Uh... Um, so before we end the show, let's let's talk really briefly here about uh, the sudden availability of apparent goal scoring. Kachuk, Michael, Tarasenko, Reinhardt, Kessel, Garland, Goudreau, Laine, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, Parise. Yeah, oh, now yeah. Parise, yeah. Bought out. Parise and Suter being bought out. Please don't come here. Did you uh, see the cap hits for those two guys insane. for the next three years after this year? Yeah, Six million, like seven million, million, seven million. It's, it's the Bobby Bonilla contract, right? Yeah. They get paid for the rest of their lives. Well, <laughs> it's just years, like but, they, they were making, like it was like 15 million if they had to just stayed on for the next four years. Now it's five million on the cap next year. Thirteen, thirteen, fourteen, something like 13, that. For 14, years 14, two, three, two, and four. It's it's six, seven, seven, and then it drops to just below two. Yeah, but then it's it's in like one point seven million for four years after. So it's like why not just take four years of fifteen million instead of like 
reducing that by two million for the last three years really of the think contract. Like that, that close to winning the Stanley Cup? No, I think it's the opposite. I think they That's... might lose Kaprizov, and they're just burning it to the ground. <sighs> so they get paid. That, but they have the Rookie of the Year. But he might. Well, they might not. That's the problem. They might not have the Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Scott yeah, might have the rookie problem. of the year. So they're paying Zach Parise and Ryan Suter till 2024, 2025. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, it's like, no, bad. sorry. No, they're paying them. <laughs> if I'm reading this right, they're paying them till 2028, 2029. Yeah, that's no? right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, yeah, eight yeah. Double, doubles whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> now, the, the, the last four years of those buyouts are like 1.7 million or so like not, 800 800k i saw too yeah, yeah yeah it's not too bad but it, it just it it's just a makes pill no early sense. though it's a fucking pill yeah. to swallow early it's honestly if especially there was, the captain well that's yeah. the thing i was gonna say well that's the pill right that's the medicine right that's you taking your medicine for signing these fucking contracts but the thing for me is is like if you even guess, could have waited like one more year i think that would have been better because then you know mm -hmm you're probably like, looking at less of a spike for so many years. I like how Bill Guerin's getting the heat for this and he had nothing to do with those contracts. <laughs> He's just literally looking no, at you like, you know, like, I got a house. Man. <laughs> I, I have decided apparently with these contracts looking at that, like I'm a buyout apologist. Like I, I think all buyouts are bad. I think they're a last resort. I think that's why they're bad is they're designed to be bad. If they didn't have a real price to be paid, everyone would get it and you would have a problem you know and dude the players were smart enough to structure signing bonuses into their deals and all that stuff i i 2023 2024 ryan Suter's cap hit is 7.3 million yeah no i i'm not saying it doesn't <laughs> suck but what i am saying no, 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 is no. that I'm bill Guerin made this choice and i don't contracts in the first place yes. yeah but no one knew that in 2012 <laughs> like like, the world was going to end that year, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, the so I think everyone's like, hey, we're only going to have to pay one year of this contract. But, like, I just think sometimes, <laughs> you know, we judging a buyout now. based on, like, I get that, like, it's a hard cap and a practical thing. Like, you have to base, you know, uh, your analysis of the cap hit as a move, or analysis of the buyout is based on the cap hit that it leaves you with. But I also think sometimes that can be missing the forest for the trees and i think the bigger picture regarding the spots that it opens up in the line out the the vacuum that it opens up in the leadership core like the signal the change that it signals to the organization and for the organization internally and externally like yeah but not for another five years yeah, yeah but here's the thing sometimes it just sucks but steven you're looking at it from like from kind of like rose colored glasses okay because had this team won a cup gone to a conference final they would be buying them out ultra competitive then nobody would give a shit but they wouldn't be but buying the them out is, that but, would be the difference yeah, okay right but now they just extended the pain they've extended this longer for this franchise they've never when was the last time the minnesota wild got out of the first round let alone the second round they never been out of the second round if i oh, oh i guess the ducks one year right didn't they play in the conference final one year they, or am i mis misremembering no that? i think that was the the western or the semis oh, west semis. conference final yeah i don't think they've won more than one round. Scare. <laughs> awful no no they went to awful. western conference final against the ducks this is a, a desperate ploy by <laughs> minnesota to restart everything miko Corby was gone <laughs> now it's like okay we, we're moving out these big contracts like they didn't honestly i don't think they had to do this i think they could have just waited out their last four years and it probably would have been exactly the same just based on the bio hits 
for years two, three, and Where four. But this is what I'm saying. Is. But this is what I'm saying. You're th this is fuck, man. I'm gonna sound like such an asshole. Like it, it bothers me a yes. little bit because it's so very much about on paper numbers. There is a part of this where all of these people go to work together every day. Yep. Okay, man, but they literally have made out of the sec out of the first round twice since 2013. Right, they've and so lost what they're the first round or not qualified for the playoffs right. since. 20 but what you're doing is justifying. That's what I'm saying. You're justifying why you get the two guys who are over in charge of that whole era out of there. They've had their chance. It didn't work out. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. You move on. No, I think but, but it's not that. It's 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 literally you know if you think of a franchise as a as a person or a player, they traded a sprained knee for a broken leg, like they screwed themselves for much longer on a broken leg than they would of a sprain. Like, a sprain hurts for a little while. I, I don't agree. Long. But if you do a broken leg, you are you are I much don't. longer recovery period. And that's where I think they're at. Does I, this I, not seem like a favor to Parise and Suter in some sense? That, like, I feel like Parise wanted out. He almost went to... Payout for he almost, yeah, he almost went to the Islanders um, at the deadline. It didn't work out. Like, I I could see this. They had no idea it was coming. As... Did, did, are you sure? Yeah, Russo reported that. Um, so basically, what happened is, uh, Garen called Suter to tell him Suter didn't answer. So he called Parise to let Parise know. Then he hung up with Parise before he could call Suter. Parise called Suter, or Suter called Parise somehow. But Parise told Suter that they had both gotten bought out. And Garen didn't get a chance because Suter didn't pick up on the first. Like, neither of these guys knew this was coming. I know that the New York Islanders things were legit, which is why people think he might end up there anyways because lose there. Um, I know that was a real thing. I think maybe if either of them would have been open to moving, it would have been those two. It would have been him. But I don't think either of them expected this by any means. All right. Let's, let's get back to the... Uh... the Sorry, I feel like I'm being... Either way, no, they made $100 yeah. million. Dollars, so I don't feel bad for yeah. No, or ninety-eight, no. and they got to play in in their home state too. So uh, they got they got a nice a nice little uh, nice little I like deal how their there. Their contracts come out to ninety-eight million and six dollars. <laughs> well, that last six dollars is really important for tips and stuff. <laughs> oh my god, twenty-five million in bonuses. They got paid. Yeah, they they got they got paid they got paid well. Um, all right, Eichel, the most recent news is that the Sabres asking price is ridiculous and nobody wants to pay it. Shocker. And uh, is apparently the piece, again, not surprising, that uh, Buffalo wants and that Anaheim won't budge on in terms of including him wouldn't do it either. So apparently, and I saw this passing passingly today, I don't exactly know the source of where it came from, uh, but I saw it on Twitter, is that the Sabres are now open to reducing their offer or reducing their asking price on Jack Eichel, not by a significant amount, but maybe taking guys like Zegras out of the discussion because nobody's just willing to include them in. And the weird thing was is the Sabres were selective apparently on how or who got access to Jack Eichel's medical records. You had to somehow prove that you were legitimately interested in Jack Eichel. I don't know that process. Yeah, no, that's smart. That. But you had to prove you were significantly interested in him to get access to those medical records, which is smart on the Sabres case. I don't know how they were determining who was interested enough to get those, probably just based off what their offers were. Yeah. Um, but I would assume Anaheim could be one of those teams who've gotten access to them. It doesn't sound like they're out of it. 
by any means. Um, so th- it still could happen. Like, I think of all these people we have here in Kachuk and Tarasenko, Reinhardt, Goodrow, Line, like, I think the most likely of them to actually come to Anaheim is probably Eichel. It doesn't mean I think it's likely. Well, it's probably Connor Garland. Of all of them, Eichel feels like Especially if something was going to happen. Out of the, uh, division, sorry. No, I'd, I'd agree with Pat. I think Garland's probably the most... Uh, the the easiest piece to pick up, I think uh, Eichel. Yeah. I mean it's it's a fun fantasy. It's great. You get a franchise player. That doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but you're also talking about a guy who's got a significant injury that wants to do significant or you know a, a procedure that's never been done on an NHL player. Are you willing to risk what they're asking just to see if he might be a shell of himself or you know like get back to form i don't know i mean you just that's just so significant out there as a possibility where things are just going to go wrong so why, why risk it i mean when you he's also rumored to go into buffalo too so. hey, well, he's, or sorry boston <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll go he'll go he'll go somewhere i'm sure but um yeah and uh, from an anaheim perspective i just i don't see very many attractive I don't see a lot of people being attracted to Anaheim where they want to go there. About the only one I would say is maybe Garland because it's not that far away. And Arizona might be able to make that trade since we are no longer supposedly going to be in the same uh, division. So, In all honesty, Eichel has no fucking choice where he wants to go. It's wherever the Sabres end up sending him. Um, I just, no I one's just making think... that trade without a deal signed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anaheim's, Anaheim's not going away, I think, in these discussions just because wait, 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 of how what? are the assets we have. Like, no one's going to no one's gonna want to get Eichel unless they know they can get a deal signed when he's a UFA, right? Or when he's he, got, when no, he, he has, years, like, five years, five years left. Remaining. Right. Yeah, no, so they're no getting him for the rest of his prime. I mean, is no they one wants a guy him. who doesn't want to play there. That's what, yeah. the, that's what Buffalo already has. So, like, why would you want a guy who's going to hate coming to your city is my idea. Is. I think he just wants out of Buffalo. Honestly, don't, don't, I, I, I don't. See, I don't see Buffalo being good in any <laughs> any capacity in the next five years, anyway. So, like, there's like, sure there's anyone's could be better, except yeah, Ottawa teams, with Pierre. There's there's teams where he would probably rather go, like the Rangers or something like that. Better chance of winning, but at the end of the day, like I think he just wants out of Buffalo, and yeah. whether you know Anaheim's not a better destination per se in terms of what you know, early returns for him to be on a good team, but it's not Buffalo, right? Like, I think that's that's more so what Eichel and, and his camp are, are concerned with is let's get out of Buffalo and see how things go. Um, now, you know, Anaheim, one of their concerns will be, like, is he going to want to stay here? Is he going to enjoy playing here? Like, any team that is going to trade the assets it's going to take to get Jack Eichel are going to be con- concerned with that. And I'm sure as ter- trade talks get more serious – discussions with Eichel and his agent would be part of those discussions before a trade goes through and making sure that, you know, for one, he wants to come here, is excited about coming here, is excited about playing here, and, and that would ultimately play into the final decision. But Anaheim is going to be involved in this until it eventually happens, just because of the assets we have, the pick we have this year, um, you know, again, the, the top, top-end assets that Buffalo are looking for. We have Zegers and Drysdale, who are two guys that will draw interest from uh, a number of teams, uh, especially Buffalo with Eichel. So I, I don't think we're going to go away from these discussions, whether it gets done or not. I think it, it the, the, I don't think it gets done with the Zegers for Drysdale going the other way. Buffalo this deal's done, I think, by end of draft. 
It's got to be. They they can't wait too long. It'll need to be done before the expansion draft too. I think. It's it's got to come down After. to it's got to come down quickly because you don't want to go into free agency if you're a team mm-hmm. and not know if you're going to have a guy who makes ten million dollars on your books, right? Like you want to know right. kind of your direction of where you're going. Now, Fernheim's case, maybe it's not. They're not big time free agency players, so it's. If they're the team to get it done, you know, waiting until after the draft and everything isn't necessarily as big a deal from a team that needs to re-sign guys or, you know, a team like the Rangers, I already mentioned, who have some guys they want to re-sign and could be looking at other options in free agency. Anaheim's a bit different in that sense, but uh, you would think this would be wrapped up by the end of the week or at least before the expansion draft, like you said, Stephen. Yeah, I think that's a big baby Buffalo management. Yeah, I mean, wah, wah, wah. if you're Kevin Adams, you want the picks, right? You don't want the prospects. You want the possibility to trade the picks for other picks. You want the possibility to make another. They're just move never gonna stuff. get what they want, though. But no, 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 no. I'm just saying you can't tr- you can't make this trade after the draft unless you think there is a package out there that doesn't include someone from this draft in it. That makes right. sense no, for makes you. Sense. Because you want, right, that three pick or that nine pick or whatever it ends up being. Um, look, as far as Echo's concerned, uh, if I'm Anaheim, I'm saying there are four players that are off limits. Segrish, Drysdale, Lindholm, and Gibson. Anybody else you can have, I don't care. Gibson? Those are the four guys I won't give you. Everybody else you can have. I'm perfectly fine with that. I make that Eichel trade. I get that he's not going to, that maybe there's going to be some risk um, of... You know, maybe potentially him not being happy in California, but I'm going to bet. I'd agree with that. I, I am going to bet that I can get a uh, 24-year-old American professional athlete to enjoy living in Orange County uh, enough Probably that he's not going to care. Yeah. It's Orange County. It's again? beach. It's a neck it's a injury. neck injury. It's a significant yeah. injury, but the upside on him is if you see the medicals and you have reasons to be, you know, but I'm just saying, like, I would make the trade. There's nobody on that's the like board other biggest, than those four. And that's their biggest contention is how do we solve this injury? Like, literally, they are, are willing to part ways because he wants to be But it's not just in that. A certain way that's they want that's the breaking point. What does he want to have done? Is he going to get something? Well, no, he wanted, he wanted, like, something that's never been done on a NHL player. Apparently There's he's a, been done on NMA, uh, like, NMA guys. Yeah, oh, like so, Reginikine where they put in regenerative cells into your neck? Yeah, sure. I think, is that what they're doing? I think that's what he wants. I have no idea. The alternative but, is having his neck fused. Yeah. Oh, which you don't want to do as an athlete. Yeah, yeah, but maybe they do that injection and it doesn't work and then it has his neck fused and you're screwed anyway. So, once again, it's like he wants this treatment. He wanted it earlier. Sabres didn't want to give it to him. Then there was some argument over it, and now they're like, all right, well, we'll just trade you. And now somebody uh, else has to take that on and go like, but it's well, not. But it's works. been four. It's been three or four years now of that team being dog shit. It's not just that it's a medical issue. Like that team has been hot garbage, but despite been, the fact he's that he's heart and soul with that team too. So I mean, he that's hasn't what I'm really kind of like ran away from the team just being crappy. He's like, listen, it's gonna be crappy. And Edmonton's crappy. I mean, Jesus is still there. I can make this work. And now he's like, I've got this injury, and I can't really make it get any better. And so like now it's just. You know, him going, like, I want to do this. And they said, no, you can't do that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, he's not leaving just because of the neck thing. What I'm saying is it's the breaking point. Michael wants a cervical disc replacement surgery. There you go. Sounds sounds pretty intense. Apparently MMA guys have had it. Cervical? Yeah. From his cervix? You're an idiot. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) 
We need a bleep button on the podcast. For what? These just but cut that Steven, out. Steven's because these moments are the best. Stupid. Not even <laughs> Steven funny. got mad for like two seconds. You should have seen his face. You should have pre-streamed that. That was great. <laughs> Look at him. He's still mad. He's still well. mad. <laughs> saying it was a cervical replacement surgery. You're an idiot. Surgery. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go jump I mean, in that, the that, that is unheard of on a male app. Derailed. <laughs> let's... Uh, <laughs> let's wrap really? the show that, on that this. <laughs> let's let's just uh, let's talk about what we're going to be doing next. Uh, we have the expansion draft coming up, which we just did the preview for here in about eight days to come out, less than eight days now. Be on Wednesday, the twenty first. Then the NHL draft starts next Friday and Saturday. So big days coming up here in the NHL. We'll be definitely back with a. Uh, are we doing a draft preview of any sort, Ed? Are we are we talking about doing that, or are we yeah. just going to look at a free agency preview? No, we're going to do an FA preview for sure, but the plan was to do another draft preview, whether that is um, getting somebody on like Steve Cornelius again to do uh, an, an interview and do that or just a, a quick update on the last one that Stephen and I did, which was way back in February, I think. So just a, a bit of an update um, draft preview. So whether it's with somebody or just a, the, all of us, we'll be, doing, we'll be attempting to do one of those. Um, but in terms of like for sure shows, We'll have a free agency preview and a, and definitely a draft recap, which will uh, be shows that would be uh, FA preview would be before uh, before August and draft recap could probably push into August depending on on how close of a, a deadline we're working with the free agency and, and the draft. We, we just do a, a giant show and combine both and things would get yeah. crazy. We could do that too. So yeah, I know Everyone's it's gonna be a short window to to turn things around with how quickly they're they're jumping from expansion draft to draft to free agency so hopefully a lot of chaos that'll make it more fun for us but uh, thank you everybody for tuning in tonight and uh, we'll be talking to you guys very soon keep up to uh, a cup to date with us on twitter so you can see everything oh steven's waving me off or is he saying bye i can't tell no i was doing jason's bit he's doing the hands yeah that's mine <laughs> i stole jason's All bit right, everyone. try not to smile you do have this. a great one talk to you soon bye jason <laughs> bye everyone <laughs>